Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Well, good morning, saints of grace. So glad you're here today. Uh, This today is All Saints Sunday, and if you don't know what that is, good news, I'm going to talk about it, but uh, I'm going to talk a lot about what it means to be a saint, what that looks like, and for us to start with this understanding, I found myself thinking a little bit uh, this last week about uh, Thomas Paine. Maybe you remember him. He wrote a little document called Common Sense that had a profound effect on the American Revolution. He was encouraging the 13 colonies to gain independence from Great Britain. And in 1775, he wrote his little pamphlet. And in that pamphlet, he has this great line, very small little sentence. And he says about the colonists, time has found us. Time has found us. I love that phrase. In his mind, he was thinking time has come for us to act, to do what needs to be done, to seize the independence that we have so longed for. As I was thinking about that phrase, time has come, I just found that just to be inspiring to me in general, like, ah, good, this is, time time has found us as a chance for me to go do something, to go act, an invitation almost, to seize that moment. I will say, though, the more I thought about that phrase, time has found us, the more I thought, time always finds us, no matter what. No matter how much you wish time didn't find you, and that's really more where I'm at these days, is I want time to find me a little less. It always finds us. You can run, but you can't hide from time. Now, for Christians, for those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who love Jesus as our Lord, time finding us isn't that such a, isn't such a bad thing. Isn't the end of the world because we know that time finding us isn't the end of the story. There's more to that story, more to our story. In fact, time finding us is really just the beginning of our story. There's so much more yet to come that we know happens through faith in Jesus. And so as we celebrate, as we remember, as we rejoice in today being All Saints Day, I want us to remember the saints who have gone before us, who have led that way, who time found at just the right time who lived a life that inspired us, that led us to more faithfulness in Jesus, and time wasn't their enemy. Today, we get to give thanks and celebrate those saints who we have known, maybe your mom or your dad, your grandparents, some saint in God that was very important to you, or the saints that you have never known and will not know in this life. We get to celebrate them because they have led the way. They have gotten us to this point where we're at right now. It's those saints that God used, and we get to celebrate them. But of course, that to me begs the very obvious question, what's a saint? What is a saint? Is a saint your grandmother who dutifully sent you your $5 and your birthday card every birthday? Is that what a saint is? Or is the saint the stranger who helps you up when you have fallen in some kind of public setting? Or maybe a saint is much, much more than that. It's got to be somebody as high as like the Mother Teresas of the world that we know who give up their life, who give up their well-being 
And they go and they live among the poor and the broken and the hurting. Is that what a saint is? Because honestly, there's a long way between five bucks for your birthday and living in Calcutta. Okay, different, different scales here. And yet we kind of use the word the same way. Maybe a saint is like the little boy that I read about this week, six-year-old Jermaine Bell. He had been saving all of his money to go to Disney World, was real, real faithful in saving his money, and then he saw on the news what was happening in the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian. And he was so moved by what he saw, the destruction that he encountered, he decided to give up all of his savings and go and buy stuff for the folks who needed uh, help down there. And then he made some homemade signs And he went out uh, by his street, and he just held signs saying, help Hurricane Dorian victims to raise money that way. Is Jermaine a saint? So good questions, important questions, questions that we really must consider today if we're going to figure this out in a way that we can enter into today. And I want you to. I want you to be a part of today. So let's do a little background on saints first. There are kind of two ways to think about them. Now, if you came from a Roman Catholic background, you will know that a saint, quote-unquote a saint, is a pretty specific thing. There's a way in which you become a saint. There's this established path towards becoming a saint. First, you're a servant of God. Well, that sounds pretty good. That actually means something quite specific in the Catholic Church. So you may think, well, I'm a servant of God. Easy, easy. Uh, So one, servant of God, first level. Two, You become venerable. That's awesome. I like that word, venerable. It simply means having heroic virtue. Who doesn't want that? So if you have heroic virtue, step two on the road to sainthood. Some people stop right there. They just are the venerable so-and-so. Third, you move on to being blessed or blessed. And if you are blessed, that means you have, there has been an observed, recorded, examined, miraculous event somehow surrounding you. Okay, so then you're blessed. You do that twice, voila, sainthood. You're in, all right? That's how you become a saint in the Roman Catholic tradition. Now, I want to be very fair here. I want to be real real clear. The Roman Catholic Church does not make saints. They simply recognize what, what they believe, what they see God is doing or has done in this person and continues to do, and they want to recognize what God is doing, and so they recognize that person as a saint. Now, the Protestants, so I told you how that works in the the Catholic Church, the Protestants, of course, have a different standard of sainthood. We have a different metric, a different measurement. For the Protestants, of which the Episcopal Church is a a, a Protestant church, for us, a saint is anyone who's a Christian, which you might be like, yes, I'm in, all right? So it's anybody who's a Christian. The reason we say that is because in the Bible, The 50 times, a little bit more than that, the 50 times the word saint is used, it is used uh, exchangeably, interchangeably with the word Christian. Saint or Christian is used interchangeably. So we who have studied scripture in the Protestant church say, okay, well, that means saints are Christians. We're the same thing. The authors could have used either one. They could have made up a new word. They didn't. So it must be those who are Christians. So... That's how we, that's how the church has kind of come to understand what a saint is. But what actually does it mean to be a saint? Well, definitionally, it means this. And if you want to write this down in your notes section, by all means do. It means one 
who has been made holy. One who has been made holy. You might say, what is holy? It means to be set apart. So one who has been made set apart. One who has been made different. Not somebody who's earned holiness with good deeds. Not somebody who's so nice they seem like a saint. It's not somebody who's so generous that you would call them a saint. It's not any of those things. It means to be a saint means to have been made holy. And who can make you holy? Well, if you've been working on that, like I have, you know it's not me or you. So who's left? It's the only one who understands holiness, the only one who is different. That is God himself. God himself is the one who declares something as holy, something as set apart, something as different, something as special. And so he said that everybody who follows him is different, special, holy, and therefore a saint. But I actually want to add a little bit to that idea. I want to expand it just slightly and say that though I believe all Christians are saints, I have experienced, maybe like you, that some are a little more saintly than others, right? Though everybody who follows Jesus is in fact a saint, some seem to get it more than others. The reason why is this. I think saints are, yes, Christians, one, but two, who manage to love God more than life. That's the, really, the, I think, the criteria for being saint. One, you have decided to follow Jesus, but two, you are managing to love God more than life on a regular basis. And I think people who have figured this out love their neighbor in amazing ways, ways that inspire me and inspire you, and we hear their stories and we're like, whoa, that's different. People who live this kind of saint life, that is loving God and loving God more than life itself, they give and serve and love in radical ways. And they are always pointing us back to their source of inspiration, God. Not them. It's always about somebody else, this other guy they know. They want you to meet him. His name's Jesus. Come on. These Christians who inspire us with their lives and their purpose and their determination, these Christians are the ones who literally change the environment around them. And I think those folks are saints. Saints live in such a way that the people around them have their imagination stirred up for the things of God. So as you think about the saints that you know, if you're thinking about yourself, keep thinking. Think about the saints you know. I want you to think about them as people who have stirred up your imagination towards God or your community's imagination towards God. God. So the good question, the the right question being asked of us today on this All Saints Day is, is that you? Is that me? Is that us? Are we saints? Are you a Christian who loves God so closely that the people around you are inspired to keep up with God? Not keep up with you. Keep up with God. Because that's a saint. That's what All Saints Sunday is all about. I love how Jesus talks about this in Luke 6, if you want to look with me very quickly here at our gospel passage, because I think Jesus is actually describing this saintly life, and it's a tough one, because he says, blessed are you who are poor, yours is the kingdom of God, 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, he says, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and defame you because the Son of Man, who is Jesus, because great is your reward. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm reading this list. I'm hearing this list. Deacon Mary read it in chaos, and I'm thinking, that doesn't sound so good to me. I have to be poor and hungry and weep. Folks have to hate me. I'm going to maybe think about this again. Maybe, some, maybe, maybe sainthood is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Here's, what I, here's another way of putting this, though. Think about it like this. Blessed are you when you've lost it all, because God's kingdom is right there for the finding. I love that. You're blessed when you're really hungry, because then you're really ready for that messianic meal. Blessed are you every time someone tries to cut you down or throw you out or blacken your name because then you are becoming set apart. Then you are becoming holy. Then you have an opportunity for holiness because you could hit back like everybody else or you do something a little more inspirational. You see, becoming a saint is about inspiring, having courage, using that godly imagination in all the same boring, painful situations you're in every day, situations that have aggression and anger, powerlessness, situations filled with moments where you can feel bad about yourself, where you can have pity, and instead you say, you know what, I want to be a saint. I want to turn to God instead and let him inspire me in this environment right here. Saints get excited about what Jesus is talking about in Luke 6. So when I look at Luke 6 and I think, hey, you know what? Pick somebody else, somebody more prepared than me. What I'm really saying is I'm, gonna, I'm passing on these opportunities to see God do the miraculous. Is that what you're at? You want to pass on seeing God do the miraculous in your life? I hope not. Saints know and see the path to God as not only more challenging but more exciting more rewarding, more changing for the community than any other. And so saints engage in that path. So again, is that you? Is that you? Let me be clear, though. I'm not asking you to be a hero. Hero is a different thing. A hero is somebody who goes to dark places and sets up lights there for other people in those dark places to see by. A saint saint is someone who goes to the same dark places, and because of their love and relationship with God, is that light. Do you see the difference? A hero sets up a light. A saint goes there and says, I'm going to stay here. And because of Jesus in me, I'm going to let that light come out of me. Is that you? Are you that saint? A Christian who lives and loves God so clearly that others want to to do the same. That's what a saint is. So how do we do that? How do we become that saint? Good news. I have no idea. I don't, know what, I don't know your life. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know how he wants to do this in you. But I do know some stories from folks who have inspired me. One, this guy named Francis. Francis lived in Italy during the 1200s. 
And one day while he was out for a walk, he stepped into a church that was dilapidated, that was falling apart, that was literally crumbling. The walls were coming down. There were holes in the roof. The paint was, of course, flaking off the wall because the environment from the outside was inside. Basically, as you think about this church, it was a dump. That was the church. Francis steps into that church, and he begins to pray, as was his habit. Now, what wasn't his habit was having God speak to him. And so suddenly, while he's praying, God speaks to Francis and says this, Francis, go and repair my house, which you can see is being destroyed. Now, Francis had never heard God speak. He had never encountered the living God in this way, and so he is rightly terrified. He doesn't know what to do. So he does the only thing he can think of. He finishes his prayers, and he vows to God that he will obey him, and he will do so as quickly as he can. So he goes out, and he finds mortar and trowels. He finds any supplies he can because his assumption is, my job is to repair this church that is broken down that I'm in. And he begins to fix it. What happens, though, is that Francis becomes someone at the center of a revival in the church in the 1200s. He becomes this pivotal figure that goes from changing local priests to all the way to the Pope. That's how much people became inspired by Francis's actions. So much so today, popes now take his name. How about that? And they don't do so willingly. The current pope who took his name did so with great trepidation. Wow. How did it all start? Francis deciding to repair a little chapel where he had prayed. That's it. Just repair a little chapel where he prayed. Francis, we know him as of Assisi, didn't plan on changing the world. He never set out to bring revival. He certainly never wanted to be a saint. He just wanted to do what God told him to do, repair the church. And so he did that simple thing, the simple thing that was put right in front of him, and then he gave God all the credit. Didn't keep any of it for himself, and that's what saints do, brothers and sisters. As I was thinking about this in my own life and trying to find an access point for this, I was reminded of a time many years ago when my wife and I and our two little baby girls decided to move into the most crime-ridden, dangerous neighborhood in Orlando. It was socially neglected in every way, less of everything. And we didn't have any plan for redeeming it, for fixing it, for making it better. We just looked at our city map and said, look, where would Jesus live? Maybe we should move in with him. It's a pretty simple idea for us. And that's exactly what we did. We just moved in. Did that make us saints? No. <laughs> I wish, but no. It didn't. But did it, in fact, end up inspiring other people to love God more, to know God more? It did. And that shocked me more than anything, because that was never the plan. The plan was simply just to love our neighbors. And yet then people became more in touch with God because of that. That's what saints do. I wasn't aiming at that target, but that's what ended up happening. So, does he want to do that with you? Does he want to take you as a Christian and then use you to inspire the people around you to know him more, to love him more? Yeah, I think so. 
I think that's why you came today, whether you knew it or not. This hymn that we sang, let me close with this. For all the saints, favored, well-known hymn of the church. This last verse that we sang, O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. That's what it's saying. That's what you have an invitation into today. And when you do, I think you're able to say, Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this very special day because this building, this life that we experience as Christians wouldn't exist if not for the saints who have gone before and not led us towards themselves, but led us towards you. And we say thank you. For the saints who have changed me, I give thanks. And they didn't change me because of them, but because of you and what you did in them. And I pray that we would give thanks again, most of all for you, because you change everything. And I pray that you would make all of us here today saints, not just because we're Christians, but because you want us, you want to use us to change the environments that we're in, from our families, to our workplaces, to the Ocala community. You want us to be agents of change for your glory. And I pray that we would step into that with fear like Francis without any plan whatsoever, and yet with the full knowledge that you will take care of the details. Give us the courage to do that. We ask this in your son. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.